Welcome back and happy Friday, November 6, 2020. Quote, I'm asking everybody to stay calm, for all people to stay calm. The process is working. Close quote. That was Joe Biden yesterday. Sounds like a Republican during the race, history, and statue riots we saw a few months ago. My guess is if Joe Biden had said that about investigating police or denouncing rioters, stay calm, the process will work itself out. He'd have been a very clear winner Tuesday night. But the Democrats know something. They need their base, and their base wanted racial strife because their base lives on racial strife. And the Democrats cannot win without their base. I think most Americans, however, do want calm. But that's what is so odd about Joe Biden's statement. All we begged for after the last or throughout the last four years has been calm. We didn't have a moment of it. From claims of illegitimate presidencies of Donald Trump by no less than Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Carter to the calls for his impeachment from the second month of his presidency to the storyline of Russian collusion creating his presidency to his actual impeachment over collusion with Russia's sworn enemy Ukraine to the claims he was a tyrant, a racist, a bigot to tearing up his State of the Union speech to the fire alarms and drills every night on CNN and MSNBC the last four years. Where was the calm then? Now that Joe Biden sees the presidency within his reach, now, he says, is the time for calm. This is the revenge of the elites and progressive movement. Calm when we are in charge. Indeed, silence, if possible. Blair, clang, uproar, riot, when not. That's how revolutions work, of course. Why replace power if everything is pacific and calm. Now that he thinks he's about to be the power, Biden, calm must be restored, of course. Well, that's right. The time for the permanent revolution is over if the White House goes to the Democrats. Remember what Karl Marx said. He said the revolution must continue until, until, you see, there is an end point, until the proletariat conquers state power. Once you have the power, you can call for calm. That's why for the first time in four years, you hear a major Democrat in the case of Joe Biden now now calling for it. He assumes he's conquered or his party has conquered the apparatuses of power. So everyone just stay calm and let the process work its way out smoothly. Now, the media and Cognoscente are condemning President Trump for raising claims of fraud. This again, after four years of being told he was elected based on fraud and was an illegitimate president. What's more likely, I ask you, that Russians coerced us so covertly via Facebook that Trump won four years ago? Or that ballot shenanigans moving Donald Trump from a several hundred thousand vote lead in Pennsylvania to a deficit three days later took place? Today... Nancy Pelosi said, it's a happy day for our country because of the, quote, enormous mandate, close quote, Joe Biden received. Enormous mandate? She said this at 8.56 a.m. this morning. He wasn't even and hasn't even yet been declared the winner or victor yet. And even if he is, how is it a mandate when it's won by four days of counting after election night with a razor-thin margin? How is it a mandate when the House lost Democratic Party seats? How is it a mandate when Republicans kept the Senate? 
And we thought Joe Biden wasn't in control of his mental facilities, faculties. Enormous mandate? Donald Trump received 7 million more votes than four years ago. And Donald Trump flipped the script on minority voting blocks. It didn't happen overnight, and it isn't solidified. But clearly with the right policies and honest conversations, the Democratic Party's lock on black and Hispanic voters is now clearly up for grabs. Or more grabs, anyway. When you have a Kamala Harris on the ticket and the quote-unquote racist Donald Trump improves votes in minority populations, you do not want to forsake or give up on that. This could explain why Charles Blow of the New York Times could engage in literal group libel this week, writing this, quote, Let me be specific and explicit here. White people, both men and women, were the only group in which a majority voted for Trump according to exit polls. To be exact, nearly three out of every five white voters in America are Trump voters. It is so unsettling to consider that many of our fellow countrymen and women are either racists or accommodate racists or acquiesce to racists. Close quote. Three out of five Americans, 60% of America is racist? What of black women doubling their vote to Donald Trump and black men increasing their vote for Trump by nearly 40 percent. Mr. Blow has an answer for that. Quote, Some people who have historically been oppressed will stand with their oppressors and will aspire to power by proximity. Close quote. Larry Elder was on television this morning. He said this, I've met with Mitch McConnell. So far as I know, Mitch McConnell never owned slaves or had to put away a KKK costume when I walked into his office. I've met with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is not a slave owner and has never owned slaves. And when we talked about economic empowerment, choice, and education for urban Americans, I don't think he was looking for ways to further oppress urban Americans. Larry went on to say that racism has never before been less of a factor in American life than it is today. He then went on to quote a speech Barack Obama gave in 2007, speaking about how America got 90% of where it needed to be in the Moses generation, the MLK generation. And it was his, Obama's generation's job, known as the Joshua generation, to get the other 10%. Larry said Barack Obama's election to the presidency that next year and then his re-election four years later, seemed like that 10% was at least cut in half. In 1958, when Gallup asked Americans if they would be willing to vote for a black president, only 38% said yes. Now it's been done, twice, against two of the most famous political names in American political history in the 20th and 21st centuries. In fact, Barack Obama received a greater percentage of the white vote than his predecessor candidate John Kerry received four years earlier. Larry went out to point out that Abilene, Texas, which voted in a black mayor, also went 80% for Donald Trump. So if Donald Trump is the dog whistler for racism, apparently nobody's hearing it. Let me stay here a moment. As Jeff Jacoby pointed out, in 1958, 48% of white, white Americans polled by Gallup said that if black people came to live next door, they would likely move. 48%. By 1978, only 13% still said, still said that. And by 1997, it had fallen to 1%. 
That's only one measure of racism's profound decline. Friendship is another. In 1964, a mere 18% of white Americans claimed to have a friend who was black. Four decades later, Gallup found that the proportion of interracial friendships had more than quadrupled. 82% of whites said they had close non-white friends, and 88% of blacks reported having close friends who were of another race. Americans, and I think a great many more minority Americans, are tired of the racial divisions that the likes of the Democratic Party and the New York Times keep pushing on us. Why am I spending so much time here? Because the dog that didn't bark here is important. As guilty as Americans were supposed to feel or meant to feel about their racism, especially this year, we can proudly show those peddling this nonsense are the liars. Statistically, by polling, and by what this election itself shows. Stop the guilt. There are racists in America, to be sure, as there are racists in Somalia. But we are the least racist country in the world, and we should be proud of it and not ashamed of it. And the Republican Party should not let up on becoming the party of minorities once again, as it was for easily 100 years before the 1960s. We can thank Donald Trump's policies and straight talk for getting us out of that rut. Now let's put it into second and third gear and never stop. As for reigning claims of how this election will be ultimately called, sure, my optimism is slipping a little bit. But as I said yesterday, it's optimism for this country that I had in four more years of great policies. The bad policies we will see from a prospective Biden administration will have a hard time coming to effect if we keep the Senate and then improve our numbers there and in the House, possibly even taking it back in two years, as we presumably would and happens in interim elections in the first term of a new presidency. If you're looking here for great optimism about Donald Trump's reelection chances still, I have to tell you it's withered a bit now. There's a lot that's fishy here. A lot. Joe Biden winning 9 million more votes than Barack Obama is the first sign of my incredulity. The flipping states in one direction and one direction only from election night to tonight is, of course, another. The idea that you cannot campaign and speak as a confused daughterer, confusing massive numbers and family members with each other and win this many votes is yet a third. But at least there's this. Where's the coronavirus panic and pandemonium? I told you it would be over on November 4th. It seems it is. And were not for it in the first place, I'm pretty sure we'd be talking about Trump's second term much more confidently. Much more confidently. But let's put it squarely. If we lose this thing by the margins we're looking at, don't squander it. Given all that's been thrown at us, it turns out, quite simply, that Donald Trump just doesn't have an Archimedean lever. But damned, we are, and we're awfully strong here. Mandate, Madam Speaker? I don't think so. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Huh. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Happy Friday, 602508-0960. Is this the longest week of the year? I don't know if the weather if the winter cha- weather channel or the meteorologists declare that, but boy, it just feels like it, doesn't it? 
Bill, has it felt like a long week to you? My goodness gracious. Stacy in Scottsdale. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Steph. Thank you for, for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Oh, of I course. Thanks another, for calling. I, thank you. I enjoy your show. Thank you. But I, I listened to another show earlier in the week, and a caller asked, what can we do about the election? And the radio personality replied, vote. And I thought, what is he talking about? We voted. And I thought, this is insanity, expecting a different result in the next election. They're just going to keep doing this. And it really bothered me, and I thought and thought and thought about it. And we can't be peaceful protesters like, like Democrats. So the only thing I can think of that would really, truly send the message is not to work. <laughs> we just have, That's the only thing I can think of, because they want our tax dollars. They want us to shop. They want us to work. They want us to spend money because it pays them. Well, can, can I – well, yeah. look, I, uh, Stacey, I, I have to tell you, one of the heart-wrenching things of the past year or since, since March at least has been you know, so much shutdown of the economic conditions of our country and the economy. And yeah. it's needed for a lot of things. It's needed for an awful lot of things. And I, I, I have to tell you, vote itself is not right you're, you're you're correct to say that's not enough. Vote is not enough. I, I how how that would this? Huh? No, you go that ahead. That horse is less of I'm sorry. That horse is less of a barn. And and I can't afford to not well, work. Well, first of all, it may it, it it may have left the barn. We're not sure yet. This election has not been certified. This election has not been called. I know that the path is narrow. I know it is, but you know, I just don't think that people should be declaring victory or loss until there's a victory or a loss. One, if there is a loss on our side, if we lose the White House, and as I said, I'm less optimistic than I was earlier in the week. If we do, there's a lot we need to think about. There's a lot we need to do, and it's not just letting things be. First of all, um, I think we need to end mail-in ballots that aren't absentee or solicited. I think we have to end unsolicited mail-in ballots. William Barr said we were playing with fire, and we were, and we did, and the conflagration came. State legislatures can do this. We can play the audio of it later. I, I, I think I would impress upon our state legislatures to do that now. But they were disregarded. They were disregarding you know, and, and then and then of course they got judges to support them. So we can legislate I, I, all we want. Okay, but I I, I don't. All right, see so that. let me let me take yeah. let me take your end point. Then mm-hmm. you stop working until when? You know what? I I think that you're underestimating our voice as far as being that united. I think it would send a chill. I really, really do. To who? To, to our government because they like the fact that we work and pay their fat pensions. How are we going to eat? I, I, well, so I so mean, didn't we spend? Didn't we just, Stacy? Didn't we just spend eight months saying? Didn't we just spend eight months saying people need to eat so that they don't die? I, they need I to work. Understand? I. But what else? So we so we do what we always do is since. Well, I'm going to give you we five solutions, and I, here's my problem, Stacy. You are lovely, but here's the problem. I'm going to give you four yeah. or five constructive solutions. I gave you one. I I can't uh-huh. handle that, if that you just nothing. keep exactly. That's the you're going to say none of them will work, but not okay. working will work. I can't buy it. 
I have okay. some ideas. I do, but not okay. showing up to work when we have been for the past six to eight months saying, uh, please, can we all go so back to painful. work? Huh? This has been so painful. Of course it, really it is. Of, cor- it. of course it is. But, Stacy, it's not anything less expected than what we've been saying about the left, is it? I mean, I have been here day in and day out. You've been talking to friends, I'm sure, day in and day out about the threats of the left and everything they bring with them and what they will do. And we have sat here through four years of a um, longer, but certainly the last four years of a media and several other institutions, including polling firms, that have done their best to alter this election and to suppress news and to coerce and shut down conservative voices or Republican voices even, right? I mean, we have sat here through this. We have talked about it. We have decried it. So we shouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised by any of this. I'm not. We talked about mail-in ballots being a problem. Bill Barr told us. We played the audio. Played the audio, Bill. Bill. Play this audio from Bill Barr about two months ago. Hold on, Stacey. Partisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there have and been until a lot this of admin- no, well, sorry, that haven't proved it. Let me talk. In the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. Elections that have been held with mail have found substantial fraud and coercion. As far as widespread fraud, we haven't seen that since... Uh, well, we, have, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. Now what we're talking about is mailing them to everyone on the voter list when everyone knows those voter lists are inaccurate. People trying to change the rules to this, to this methodology, which as a matter of logic is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And people are playing with fire. Playing with fire. That's the point. And so we've been saying this, so I'm not particularly surprised. Now, Stacey, you can hold, because what I don't want to have happen is engaging in solutions. We do have a future here that just aren't going to pan out. Look, it's not easy. But I have I have been talking for years about what I think we need to do. I think we need to get back into the schools. I want you and all of your friends to run for school board. It's not sexy, but that's where the curriculum decisions are made. Perhaps if you have more money and you don't have children, you might want to think about starting a charter school. This is the work that we have to do. This is where it starts, folks. This is where it starts. One man can't do it all. He is not he he does not have an Archimedean lever, as I said in my monologue. But I don't think not showing up for work is feasible for most Americans. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. We can coast on, um, I was thinking about what Stacy uh, called about in the last segment, we can coast on um, a certain amount of residual knowledge, patriotism, ethic for only so long when the institutions are taken over by the left. 
And, you know, when you, I often, I often used to say, I guess I still do. I often tell the story that if a Martian landed here um, in the first week of November of 1984 and got all his news from the New York Times, from all the news outlets, the New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, PBS, CBS, NBC, they'd be scratching their head if they had heads. I don't know what Martians look like anymore or then as to how Ronald Reagan could win 49 states. There's only so long we can do that as the left takes on beyond the media, as they have taken through our schools. You could go to college in 1984 and have a conservative uh, political science professor, let's say, or two perhaps. Can't do it anymore. They're gone. They don't exist. Maybe in two or three colleges in America or Hillsdale. Um, You could go into Hollywood and you could find actors, actresses, even directors and producers who remember fondly voting for Ronald Reagan when he was governor of California in the 70s, or perhaps, perhaps, perhaps Pete Wilson in the early 80s or in the mid-80s. You you can't do that anymore. Um, You could go to an athletic game. I don't care what it is. NBA, let's say. You could go to a professional basketball game and everyone would stand up at the pledge at the uh, national anthem. Can you do that anymore? I don't know. The more patriotic people, oddly enough, don't stand up. That's the more patriotic thing to do, evidently. They've taken over professional sports. CEOs, C-suites, corporate suites in our organizations. Remember The enemy of the left in the 1980s was the big, bad corporation. Big, bad, evil corporation. They're left wing now. They're left wing. Now I give you where a lot of Americans get their news, including young people. Social media. They just censor us. There's only so long you can live in this environment and expect Republican victories at ballot boxes. Unless you go back and do the hard work. What do kids know? What are they taught about freedom of freedom of speech? They're not taught what I was taught about it growing up. And I grew up with liberal parents who drummed into me the importance of everything within the First Amendment. And boy, I exercised it hard in high school, really hard. Landed on the front page of the newspaper here for a protest I led in high school on behalf of MLK Day. Almost didn't graduate. Lawyers, courts, judges, we're doing a pretty good job of going back there, but that only happens when you elect Republicans who can appoint them. So we have to start taking the culture as seriously as it has taken us, and we haven't. We woke up to it this year and maybe in the last few years because it was highlighted so greatly. It became... It came into such such sharp focus and relief. So we woke up to it, and we had a few fits and starts here, trying to form other organizations and alternative social media platforms that may or may not pan out, but not soon enough, certainly. And now we're talking about legislative reforms concerning the current social media platforms. I think we have to entertain that idea very seriously. But when political philosophy, Marxist political philosophy, and left-wing culture are coming for you, 
and take you seriously, we have to take it seriously. And it starts in the schools. And it's not that hard to run for school board. We don't think about it very much. We've abandoned the schools in many respects, and I understand that if you have children. I do. You're here to save your children. But now it may be time to start thinking about saving our country, too. And that's where it starts. Be right back. I love those lyrics. Man, he's a great lyricist, Jim Croce. Gosh, someone had uh, called in earlier and dropped off liking that I was playing some Bill Chase. These guys just, they went too soon, man. They just went too soon. God love them all. God love you all. It's your show today. Steve in Atlanta. Hi, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. Tell me what's going on in Atlanta. Well, it's not looking good, but I mean, there's a lot of, same thing that's going on around in, in Philadelphia and so forth that happened. And and it was so funny as you think that the people who did this would have kind of coordinated it better to not look at like it all happened in tandem at the same time. <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry to laugh, but that's a funny point and a serious one at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it shows it was well coordinated, and the sad thing is it happened. But in your monologue, when you said COVID's gone away, it's gone away right now. But it starts cranking up back up and again in a few weeks when the Senate race in Georgia comes around. The two Senate races, the two that is going to be critical for holding on to the Senate. And the, you know the Democrats are going to be pushing for the mail-in ballots again. And well, you guys have, if I, I'm not mistaken, Steve, if I'm not mistaken, you guys have a, a Republican legislature and governor, Brian Kemp, right? That is correct. Stop it. Stop the mail-in ballots. Stop it. Well, For those that are unsolicited, anyway. And I, want, I want to say some, something real quick. I was talking to, to a friend. But by the way, you're making me. a point. But I'll let you make that whatever. I'll let you say whatever you want in a second. You're making an important point here. All attention has to be on the Senate right now. All of it. Right. Or at least 98% of it. I'll let the Trump team do what they're doing because it's beyond my ability to... Uh, understand the laws they're dealing with they have their hands full let them work on these these legal issues right now but for most of us or at least people like me all attention has to be on that senate on that on that ver- on the and on those precious two seats now my suspicion is that suspicion is wrong my guess is that we th- th- those are well within our owning keeping that's my, that's my they assumption they should be yeah yeah yeah, for a lot of reasons. For a lot of but, reasons. Go ahead. But, Go ahead. But real quick, a couple. I just want to make two quick points about this um, and, and the prelude in 2024. But I just found out today, my friend who voted Republican for the first time in her life up in Maine said that because she was registered as a Democrat, she said she got five mail-in ballots sent to her. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I had I had friends here who haven't lived here since high school. We're we're all in our fifties. I I have friends here who, who who haven't lived here and maybe didn't even vote here back then at the time. Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is a scandal. It's a scandal. And so the last thing I want to say is this to all you Republicans out there who didn't stand with Donald Trump. Twenty twenty four has already begun right now. 
And anyone who wants to stand head and shoulders above the rest of the Republican field, you get your tails into Georgia and you start standing with these two senators right now and and start being a Trump The yep. next Trump, it could be even if Donald Trump Jr. comes. Well, down let, here, me, let me let me say let me add to that point, Steve, by saying this. And I know it's hard for people to accept, but I believe it to my core. And I've tried to document it for the last four years. If it were Mitt Romney or John McCain, they would do the same thing. Well, 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 the left Romney, would do John the McC- same thing. I don't care. Who, it's because they're a Republican. It's not Donald Trump. It's not just Donald Trump. You look at what they did to those guys. People have very faint memories of this stuff. You look at what they call what they wrote about Barry Goldwater when he ran and every Republican. Oh, yeah. I am telling you, people have a hard time accepting this, but it's not Donald Trump. It's Republicans. They don't hate they 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 don't they don't hate Donald Trump because he's Donald Trump. They hate that he's not a leftist. They hate that he is in their way. That that's true, but but it's more than that because he 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 knocked at the establishment Republicans, which probably have leftist leanings in there as well. Because there's many Republicans. I understand that. I understand. They get I understand that, but I'm I'm old enough to remember the calling of George W. Bush, Hitler, and fascist, and seeing the big right. protests against him too. It's just that. You know, the crowds weren't the crowds weren't quite as easily to gin up in the pre-social media days and the youth weren't quite as uh, quite as converted back then. That was, after all, over a decade ago, but really much more than a decade ago. When you think about it, I I, look, I I, I, I'm just telling you, they will do it to any kind of Republican. So the choice is, do you want a Republican that can win or a Republican that can't win? And I I make one. quick Yes, you certainly can, Steve. Okay, this is the last point. Okay. This breaks my heart about Trump losing. He was setting the path for the next four years of really reaching out to minorities for the Republican Party. And he was going to do certain initiatives to go into the communities and help them out. He really was. You know what's the sad thing is? Those initiatives are are either going to stop altogether or the Democrats are going to co-opt those plants and, and rob it to them own and so they can get the minorities to vote for them again, and then when they get the minorities back into their camp as solid as they were, then they're going to break it down again. Just like they do with those, those schools, um, that, like Obama did when he became president. He took those charter schools away from the minorities in, in Washington, D.C., and no one ever said anything bad about Obama doing that. Well, it's one of the biggest education scandals of the Obama administration, and you're right to point it out, Steve. A lot of us pointed it out, and I think it did have an, a lot of effect uh, on on some of the African American vote in 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 um, in D.C. You look at some of the strongest proponents of school choice in this country, and they obviously are in the African American community, and it's been a big part of peeling them off towards the Republicans. We made great headways in this election. It's a tragedy that we couldn't build on them. You're absolutely right to raise it, Steve. It's a real tragedy, but let us not give up on it either. We have broken a dam. Let the waters flow now. Truly, we have to let the and not let up on it. He showed us how you could do it. He showed us how to reach into minority communities that Republicans talked about for years and never got. He did. He did. He showed us how to do it. And that's a lesson we need to learn from him. He taught us a lot of lessons. And uh, that among them, obviously, how 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 hard hardened and 
the how hardened the left is and where it's hardened and what you have to fight. So if Donald Trump is not reelected and we run someone in uh, 20, uh, 2024, like a Ron DeSantis or whoever, Donald Trump has showed them the way. They have shown them where the potholes are, where to, what to steer clear of and what to go into and fix and repair. I mean, he has done an awful lot in four years, a lot more in four years than most have done in eight. And we can, it spans it spans a wide swath from minority community and, and the Republican Party, as you rightly point out, to parts of the bureaucracy, places in the bureaucracy that need to be cleaned out, uh, just an awful lot, to new ways of engaging in international relations, to what you can do with an economy and under, under duress, a lot. He showed us a lot. We lose the lesson, we lose a lot. When you lose... Don't lose the lesson. We're human beings and we have a lot of faults. We're imperfect. Yes, we know this. Right. Unfortunately, money, of course, as we know biblically, is the root of all evil, which it sure is rearing its ugly head these days from our George Soros. Soros people, etc. But I am beginning to hear and listen to some things online just immediately after the election, actually as of last night, um, of some intelligence, quote-unquote, intelligence information that has been in the works since early summer um, that Trump is leading this whole thing on and that they have been carroting, dangling the carrot time and time again on the Democrats and that it is coming to fruition. Um, now, the first time I heard and listened to this video from this guy who was an intelligence person. Tell me his name. Tell me his name. Oh, gosh. I, I, I'd have to look it up on my phone. It's difficult to pronounce and spell. Okay. I, all uh, I can tell you is this. I know about that because it was forwarded to me, Pam. Okay. So I saw it when I first got it. But what I'm going to tell you may just – go ahead. What I'm going to tell you may disappoint. It may disappoint I, because I didn't know of him either. But – and and I I'm not authoritative on this issue as I as I told as I said I'm not authoritative on election law matters unfortunately it would be useful if I were this week I'm just not but I but I can I can tell you what Seb Gorka told t- tweeted about it there is zero to it and that person is a fraud I'm just quoting Seb Gorka I'm just quoting Seb Gorka as far as ardency to trust and support. The Trump administration, I think Seb Gorka's credentials have to be paid attention to on that, on that. That's all I can tell you. Sorry. I'll be right back.